I turned to the book of 1 Thessalonians this morning because it is a great model of dynamic discipleship. People who caught a vision and that continues to grow as they follow the Lord. When John MacArthur spoke on a Thursday night here a little over a year ago, he asked how old the church was and I told him and he said, you know, it seems that the first 10 years of a church are the most exciting. People gather around a common vision, willing to sacrifice, meet anywhere, do anything. And I thought, well, you know, that is true, but I don't want it just to stop at the 10-year mark. But that excitement to grow as we see what God not only did in the past, but what He's doing now and what He wants to do in the future. But there does seem to be a natural atrophy that occurs in many churches. In fact, those who study Christian denominations and movements uh, give three M's to the phases they see in certain movements. They call it first man, then movement, then monument. Usually things begin with the vision that God gives a person. That vision is given to other people. They take the vision, run with it, and then it turns into phase two. A movement begins. It seems to just get progress and momentum like a large snowball down a hill. But eventually, if certain things don't continue the way they began, you can end up with a monument. You start looking backwards. Oh, that great founder, and we used to do things this way, and always immortalizing some past act rather than have freshness for the present and the future. And so we've turned to the book of First Thessalonians because it's a good counter to that. By the way, that tendency has always been around. It is not something that is new. Jesus wrote a letter to a church called Sardis. Had the same problem. In fact, Jesus said, I know your works, and I know that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Now, the church at Thessalonica was a refreshing antithesis to all of this. You see, they were at best a year old. A fresh work began there. They've been growing a year, just about has elapsed, and Paul writes this letter after about a year of spiritual growth in this city. The church is zealous, very active in sharing their faith. They are displaying genuine love and concern for each other, the members of the body of Christ, and they are eagerly anticipating the return of Jesus Christ. They're waiting for Him at any moment. I don't know about you, but I do not want to atrophy as a Christian or as a body of believers. I want to see God continue to do a work through me personally, through us corporately as a fellowship. I want to be dynamic rather than static. I don't like professional Christians. I just like plain old Christians who have a real zeal and desire to serve the Lord in any kind of time. Um, this morning, I want to look at, first of all, the background of this church, so we can lay a grid for future studies, the background of this church, then the burden of the church planter, the reason Paul wrote this letter, and then the beginning of the church letter in verses 1 and 2, specifically verse 1. The background of this letter that we're reading goes all the way back to Acts chapter 17. I'm going to turn there 
and we're going to read from a few verses in just a moment. But let me just give you a little bit of summation up to this point in the book of Acts. Paul is on his second trip, his second missionary journey. Things have been going well. He travels through Phrygia, ends up in Galatia. He stays there for a while because he got a physical disease which prevented him from going any further. And because he was there sick, he preached the gospel to the Galatians. As he was moving along, it says the Holy Spirit would not let him preach the gospel in Asia. So he moves down to Troas. And while he's in Troas, in the middle of the night, he has a vision. In this vision, he sees a man from Macedonia, ancient Greece, standing in front of him, talking to him, begging him, Paul, come over to Macedonia, help us. Paul believed that this was a message.